everyone. Welcome to the Launch Podcast. I'm Jeff Carpenter, Director of Residence Life. And I'm Carissa Church, the CCI Internship Coordinator, and we're your hosts. College graduation can always be a difficult season of life, but the senior class of 2020 faces a truly unique challenge as they launch their careers in the midst of the great pause. Launch is a podcast for graduating seniors that offers practical and spiritual insight for navigating this transition from college student to full adult. On today's episode, we have the privilege of welcoming Jenny Sun. You may know her as the wife of RD Tim Sun, but she also serves as the director of the Winchester Physician Hospital Organization at Winchester Hospital. And Jenny is here to talk with us a little bit about what it looks like to be financially faithful as a Christian. Um, and Jenny, as we were talking before we started recording here, you threw out this concept of biblical financial stewardship. So I would love if you could just expound for us a little bit more on what you mean by that term. Yeah. So thanks, Jeff and Krista for the intro. So really excited to be able to share some of my experiences around this. But back when I was in college, I had the privilege of meeting somebody who asked, Jenny, would you be interested in taking um joining our Bible study on biblical stewardship and not knowing at the time, thinking that this was a new way of learning more things about how to be financially savvy. I was like, oh yeah, sure. I'm in. So I joined that Bible study and quickly it became this really life-giving foundational piece of of how I uh, viewed my finances one and managed my finances. And so the overall purpose to biblical financial stewardship is to know Christ more intimately and in that to be free to serve him in whatever resources that we have. So it can be in the form of finances, but it can also be in the form of time. It could be in the form of our, our, our mind, our skills, our knowledge. It can be anything. So I would actually challenge everyone to kind of, yes, we're talking about finances, but you're probably also thinking, well, I'm a college student just coming out of college. I have all this debt. I don't know. I don't have finances to manage. This doesn't really apply to me. But I challenge you to think of it a bit more broadly in, in different seasons of our lives so it can look look like finances. It can look like skills. It can look like time. It can look like any of those things that we have been given as gifts that we're able to generously and freely give for purpose of serving God. would just wonder also if you could share a little bit about how um, your background has influenced the way, you know, whether culture, family of origin, like how that's influenced your view of stewardship. I won't say money, I'll say stewardship and kind of this whole person. stewardship idea that you're talking about, because I think it is an important thing for many of our students to understand that that's a really important factor, whether or not you're aware of it in the way that you view um, using your time and resources and money for God's kingdom. Yeah. And so my, my parents are first generation immigrants from South Korea grandparents actually came in the late 70s. My parents arrived in in the early 80s. So they they pretty much came at, at around the same time. And they came at that time to 
because I heard of this country, America, where, you know, when when you go there, you work hard. And when you work hard, you get what you worked for. And so with that mentality, they they came, they were immigrants, they worked hard. They My dad used to joke and say that he worked eight days a week because he would work day and night shifts. And he'd, he'd often boast about that. But later on, after a few years, when I was a little bit older, I think it was around when I was eight or nine, I remember my dad telling me about how God had really convicted him and in in this area of tithing. And he had given his testimony around this and how God's been very gracious over the years because we were, when, when my parents first immigrated, they didn't have a lot of financial means to be able to support the family, but they really did work very hard and they were very diligent people. And so with that, I think the, the whole tithing piece coming in later into the picture, the whole of it, when I look back, it really taught me to value not only the, the, the financial aspect of it, but value what it means to be a hard worker, value what it means to be a very diligent, responsible, but also somebody who's very faithful to their work. And when we do that, the outcome and the fruit and the result is Yes, it is resources. It is it, it it does come in the form of finances sometimes and most times. And so with that background, with that family background, I think I was able to appreciate and value hard work. I was able to appreciate the value of knowing that everything that we own and I I can get I'll get to this later, but everything that we own in fact isn't ours. It's actually God's. And we are giving back a very, very small portion of what is his and we get to keep the rest. And so I think the, the family values, the, the way that my parents had earned a living back in the day had really helped me to, it, it shaped my view of not only the finances, but of work. That's awesome that you we're just able to experience that in your childhood so early on and to have those kinds of role models in your life. So you were just talking about tithing and how that has really just been a valuable piece of your faith. Um, But what do you think are some other ways that we can use money and our finances to actually glorify God? So one of the things that, you know, the biblical financial study had taught me is, yes, God has given to us means and finances, but he's also given to us gifts, very different gifts for each individual person. When we look at the things that we've been given by God, and when we think that all of these things are in God's hands, but he graciously gives it to us as gifts, and we understand that this isn't our own, um, and we acknowledge the owner of those things, I think that's where it starts. I think that's when we get our minds wrapped up, wrapped around that, and we can get, we can figure that piece out and we can acknowledge who the owner is of all these things. I think that is, that is a start of how we can glorify God because everything else will domino effect. The, the results will come, but we need to get that, get that piece right. I think that's a, that's a big piece to it. And when I think about how can we use our finances, our time, our resources 
to glorify God. The number one thing that I've learned it has been immensely helpful is understanding this concept of faithfulness. Okay, what it is to be faithful at what we um, what we own, where God has placed us in different seasons of our lives, and so when we think about that, being faithful, being responsible to the things that He has given to us as managers of what is his, I think that protects our minds from jealousy. I think it protects our mind from greed, from coveting, and even anxiety. You know, we're in this crisis right now. We're living through this COVID crisis. And I actually, just right before this call, I was scrambling because I had to make several calls to furlough. Um, a a good number of my staff. Very, very hard conversation to have. And as an organization, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you, you have to do, but it's, it's kind of the reality. And it also shows that we don't have control over anything that happens in our lives. And I think part of it is this whole, during a state of emergency, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of uncertainties, but to trust and to be open-handed and know that God will provide what he, what he knows we need. um, I think that is is really a way to glorify God that if we are placed in a position where um, we are squeezed, we go through a, a, a difficult time, people are going to see what you're made of by how you respond and how you encourage others, how you speak to others in such difficult circumstances, how you approach people, how you value people. So I think all of those ways are, are really a way of, of glorifying God. When, when our minds aren't so wrapped up in how much I have in my account, but if our minds are wrapped around knowing who the owner is and being okay with things not being in my control, I think others can see that. And, and, and I think that's a, that's a really huge way, um, a, a significant way of how we can really glorify God through our resources are what we have, but really through our faithfulness in, in knowing him intimately. And that, I mean, that reminds me, Jenny, as you talk through that of a couple of passages of Matthew specifically, you know, one is you're thinking about this idea of faithfulness with what you're given and not being jealous of others. You think of the parable of the talents and that, you know, the, the person with two talents wasn't called to produce five talents. He was called to produce two more. And the thing that is not that God does not look favorably on is taking your talent and burying it because you're jealous of what other people have and what you perceive that you don't have that, you know, the ones who are faithful are the ones who realize that, well, their five talents and their two talents are actually God's anyway. And so I should just be faithful in stewarding what he's given me. And also just a reminder of God clothing the lilies of the field um, as he has promised that he will take care of us because he takes care of the animals and the plants and why not us as well. So I think as you know, these conversations about money, Jesus had a lot to say about it. Um, yeah, actually interesting trivia. So there are 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions. So, you know, 
God, this is, it's important. And God knows that it makes up a very, it's a, it's a huge aspect of our walk in the faith. And so I think that's, you know, it's why it's addressed so much in the Bible. So something else that I actually can think of is I know there's a book about the amount of hours that you put into your life every week and sort of evaluating where you're putting your hours and that shows where your priorities lie. And I feel like that can be a really good parallel to your finances. And I think a lot of students nowadays, they don't really know or understand the impact that it has. I'm a recent graduate and it took me a long time to realize, wow, I'm spending this much money on eating out every month. Like that is insane. That is apparently a priority in my life, but is, is eating out really a a big deal? And it's just, you don't understand the impact and sort of the, the burden that it has on you almost. And so I think that it would be this kind of a good segment into budgeting and more practical things, but I think it made me realize that financial goals and priorities are really important. So what's some advice that you could give to students sort of in that moment saying, you know, what should I even be targeting towards? Yeah. And and I think that's a really good question. And, you know, you have to have the finances to be able to manage your finances, right? So one of the things that I, I'm going to keep coming back to is this is this whole concept of our finances is a result of, of our faithfulness. So when they are, I think that there, there are a lot of different practical things and tips that are out there, hosts of them. I mean, you can just Google things online and it'll give you, there, there, there are plenty of information. I think that one of the tips, just the frame, the big high level um, framework I would recommend is that when you're coming out of college and you're starting to earn money, you're in a different world, right? You're starting to earn income. And I think Carissa, what you said is absolutely true. It's it you have to be able to prioritize your your finances, not just even in the practical sense, but what it is you you value. You really have to sit down, I mean, and think about, all right, that cup of coffee or the Dunkin' Donuts that I pick up every day, is it that big of a deal? Right? Is that is that is that a is that a need for me? Because at the end of the day, what is your goal, right? Is and if you set certain goals, savings goals, setting up emergency funds, being able to have set savings aside for um, something else in the future or bring targeting your student loans. You know, I have a goal of three, in three years, I want to pay, pay this off or four years. I want to pay this off. Depending on those goals, then your list and, and, and your to-do list, it's going to change. You, you should modify that. Um, so not everybody's budget and practical kind of to-do list is going to look the same because everybody's goals are different. Right. And so I think sitting down and really reflecting on what your goals are and where you want to be is really something that I would recommend that everybody does coming out because it'll really set your mind, set, set your mind on those things that are important to you. And it'll give you a, a track to, to run on. Right. Instead of, I don't know, just being just whatever. 
So I think that's really, really important. And so just some of the um, practical things I would say, you know, as tight as people's budgets are coming out of college, I would even challenge to set even just a small amount of savings aside. The amount, it doesn't matter. It's building the habit, right? Um, it's, it's starting to practice just like when it, when you're starting to practice, even giving, um, being generous with our things, those are things that we need to put into practice. And it's not the amount that matters. It's, it's, it's the practice of it. Um, so that we can, we can develop these good, good habits. And then, you know, just if, if you're a college student considering going into grad school, taking loans, I think that's another, another topic that a lot of people um, talk about. And, you know, it's something that if you can avoid taking on additional private loans outside of, of what you're already earning, Figure, figure, go through your budget, go through your income, see if you can make it work, apply for scholarships, look at grants and minimize as many of those private loans as you can, because you do have to pay that back one day plus interest. So, so it's always good to be super conservative and frugal when it comes to, comes to that. So that's just kind of the big bulky items. And then obviously the other items are, you know, the food, entertainment, going out and and things like that, that you can definitely find means and ways to save. I think that's such a good reminder as you're talking, Jenny, about the goals aspect of budgeting. Because I, you know, even trying to remember how long ago it was, I think it was maybe six or so years ago that I started working with a personal financial planner and investments. And the first question they ask you is, what are your goals? When are you planning to have next plan to have a large expenditure? What are your family goals? Are you planning on buying a house at some point in the next 10 years? Those are really practical questions that you need to know the answers to in order to make these yeah. micro decisions about Starbucks in the morning or Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, right? Like you're all of these small little decisions actually are best made when they come out of your big goals, your long-term goals about what you want to do with your life and, and who you want to be. So I think that's just such a good reminder of, of where financial planning really comes from because it is, again, like you said, it's different for everyone. So each person has different goals and therefore, you know, maybe for one person, actually going with a friend and getting coffee in the morning every morning is really important because it's building this connection that's really valuable to you. And for someone else, it's just this sort of little addictive habit that's actually something you want to get rid of. And so it's not like there's a right or a wrong answer about every financial decision. It's about whether it's aligning with your goals, which are should be using your resources for God's kingdom and recognizing they're God's resources that you're using anyway. That's maybe some things that you, that we would say are true and helpful about finances. There's probably also myths out there about finances. What would you say are some of the common things that you would think that college graduates either may believe or may hear often or be tempted to believe about using finances or using their resources? Yeah. And, and I think, I don't know if this is college students or if it, I, I, I would say that it's just the general public, when, when I hear some of these things, I, um, I'm a little bit taken aback, but credit cards are bad. No, 
what I think, um, and, and I'm not the be all, be all end all, but we, we should have a love hate relationship with credit cards. I think that credit cards can, if you're not a responsible person and you have a tendency to be a splurger and, um, you like that online shopping and you have a little too many, too many clicks here and there, then I would, I, I would be very, very careful. But at the same time, credit cards can also be used for for good, right? So it's actually a, a necessity, I would argue, because we have this thing called credit history. And this is where time is money. So the earlier you can get a credit card account open and develop good habits of spending a little bit of it, paying it back in full every month and doing that. And you can prove then to the credit agencies and the bureaus that you are actually a responsible person. And it's sad. I mean, this is the way that you had, this is, this is, this is the way that it works, but over time, that's going to be very, very important for future purchases, such as even buying a car. So when you are ready to make even your first purchase on a car, they're going to look at, look at, look to see how many years of credit history do you have? Has this person um, paid all of their credit cards? What is the credit utilization ratio? So how much of their credit card um, limit are they actually using? And so they're going to take all these things into consideration. The earlier that you start, and you open up a credit card account to build that good um, credit history, it'll save you a lot in in the future. So um, in terms of interest rates that people charge, if you ever go to buy a car and finance it, if you, you know, they, they, they'll charge you different rates depending on your credit history. Sometimes you're going to need a co-signer if you don't have enough credit history and you don't want to put anybody necessarily in that position to secure that loan for you. If used responsibly, credit cards are, are truly a benefit to us. And some of the things that I would say is if you're new to the credit card, or even if you do own one, the best best thing to consider is this credit utilization ratio where you want to be spending less than around 10% of what you currently have as your credit limit. That's always a good gauge. Anything beyond that, so 10 to 29% is good. 30% is good. In the beginning, if you're opening a new credit card, they're probably going to give you like a $500 limit, you know, and it's going to be very small. So, but you can increase that limit over time. So once you develop that and you're and you're able to make more purchases and pay things off through credit card. If you go for putting, go to putting gas, use that once a month, you know, in the beginning. And again, just try to build that, build that up over, over time. Then the other, the other thing is, which surprises me, technology and privacy, online banking, these apps that are out there. Um, some people believe that those are bad because it infringes maybe on people are anxious about about the privacy aspect of it, afraid of getting hacked. I would say that again, we could probably use those use technology to our benefit personally for me, I love it because 
all of my banking and the credit cards accounts that I hold uh, or the accounts that I hold, I'm able to see that in real time and not constantly, but monitor it um, on a regular basis. So having that information on my fingertips to me is very important because then I can monitor and I, I can better manage the information. So Let's be real. If there were somebody coming after your money and wanted to hack into your bank account, doesn't matter if you're online or not, they're going to go into your bank account and try to steal money. But for me, I'm on the on, on the side of if, if somebody's going to hack into my account, then I want to know about it. And I want to know about it fast. Some of the apps that, that have been helpful for me have been Mint for budgeting. So if you're married or if you have other people using, you have joint accounts. Um, in my case, Tim and I both share the same Mint account. And so we can um, track each other's spending. So he can't buy any surprise gifts without me knowing it. <laughs> so there, it's a way to um, add some transparency to your finances and budget. So it has a really nice budgeting, simple, easy tool for budgeting as well. And Credit Karma is another one where some of my friends who are who work in the financial industry have highly recommended it to just end user consumers, where you can actually track and see your 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 credit uh, credit usage, your credit scores. So those who think that apps are bad, apps are dangerous, I would challenge you to to sign up for a few just to increase some some visibility for for what's going on on your accounts. The other other item, um, I, I think it, it was just around loans, just taking taking loans lightly. And I personally don't have a lot of experience in the area of um, student loans, but my, my sister it has actually, after undergrad, she went on to med school. And med school is very, very expensive. And even though I didn't have any experience, she didn't have any either. And so she came and asked for some help in in figuring that out with her. But I think in kind of walking with her through processing and learning how to handle loans, I would say when you do have student loans on hand, don't push them off. Don't make sure that you, again, you monitor it, get in contact with the, the agency or the company that it, whether it be a Stafford or a federal loan, get in contact with them, learn how much you owe, look at the interest rates that are accruing, know when your interest rate starts, because depending on the loan, immediately after graduation, I think sometimes there's a six month grace period and after six months, interest starts to accrue. So you want to know how to best tackle that the outstanding debt that you have. Definitely. That actually makes me think the other day we were hosting a panel and it was for graduates of 08, but someone asked a question from the crowd about um, student loans and sort of the position that they are in as graduating seniors. And actually she asked, what do you think students should do if they've gotten an offer that's a low salary job, but it's a hundred percent what they want to do. And they think it's a really good opportunity and they're passionate about it. I'm curious sort of just what you think students should do in those positions. I've started reading a book. I haven't finished it, but it's a book called Master of One by Jordan Rayner. And it 
triggered your, what you said about what you're really passionate about, right? So let's say if you have multiple job offers, right? And, or, and, and there was one job that you really, really were passionate about, but you really have to kind of jump through hoops to, to get there and things don't seem to work out, and, but you're trying to force things. So I, in the book of Master of One, it actually talks about how um, sometimes we're placed in a position where we are, some, some of us do have the privilege of going after things that we are passionate for and our jobs and our passions run parallel, but that doesn't happen for everybody, right? And, and it can be a source of discouragement for some. Um, because maybe that job that you really, really wanted doesn't come your way and you're having to settle with something else, go for it. You're not settling. If God presents that as an opportunity, it's an opportunity that we need to take and step into and have faith in. For, for me, when I came out of college, I was planning and studying to go into pharmacy school. And when the recession hit and that road didn't work out. I moved back home and I got this job at a private doctor's office and it wasn't my passion. It wasn't something that I necessarily loved and wanted to do. Like business health administration wasn't something that I thought I would be passionate about, but God called me to it. And I said, God, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to be diligent and and, and God allowed me throughout the years to master the skills within this niche, within this industry. And, and he allowed me to be faithful in it. And there is great reward in that too. And now, because I'm good at what, I'm, what I do, it's, it's become a passion. Now it's become a passion over the years. So I think sometimes we are led to believe that our passion should drive our careers and, and things like that. And yes, that does happen. And there are people who, whose passion is driven and into certain careers and paths. But if you're in the camp of, you know, this is, this is what I have. This is what's landed on my lap. Just be faithful. And go with it. And God will spur you it on, give you a new sense of calling, even in that area where he's called you. So again, going back to faithfulness, I think it's such, a, such an important factor to consider. And I think there's a reminder in there too, that something that talked about in previous episodes, but you don't know what you want to do with your life when you're 22 years old, right? Like that's just a reality. Like you might think that you do, but I think that if you talk to anyone who's had a chance to look back on life and reflect a little bit on their experiences, they would say, no, I didn't have a full picture of what I was passionate about at 22. And I think God develops our passions through the opportunities that he gives to us. Like you're saying, Jenny, that what we're called to be is faithful and trust that he'll show us what he's really calling us into. So I think that's a good word, a good reminder. Thank you so much, Jenny, for coming and sharing with us. It's been so fun to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share a little bit of my experiences and hoping it'll be helpful to somebody. Thanks, Jenny. That's all for today's episode of Launch. See you all in the next one.